Well, you know our next guest has a lot of pride in the work that he does. Uh, joining us now on the Maple Toyota Hotline, our hockey insider, Pierre Lebrun. How are you, Pierre? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've uh, been watching a bit of golf today. And uh, is it just me or, or the guys that, that went off early today seem to have had an advantage? Uh, they did, like Pierre. The what do you yeah. think you would shoot out there? Be honest. Oh, my. Uh, I don't know if they they would have enough characters on a scorecard to retain all my details of my scorecard at that course. I would be That would be trouble. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I played. Uh, let's see. I, I played TPC Scottsdale once and and did all right for me, given my uh, very low standard for golf. Uh, but I I thought that course in Scottsdale was really wide open, which probably makes sense because of all the stadium seating they put in there for that event every year. But I don't know this course here. Whew, I mean, seventeen alone. Pierre, what a difference a year makes here in the Eastern Conference. Like last year, we were talking about we knew all eight teams that were going to be in, and now you got a serious playoff race. Islanders are going to play Pittsburgh tonight, but there's a handful of teams there that could be making the playoffs. What have you made of the, the competitive balance this year in the East and more teams being in the mix? Yeah, it's been fabulous, and that's why we should uh, bring in a play-in or exp- expand the playoff format. Let's go. What are we waiting for? Come on. <laughs> we got 32 teams now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, uh, Gary Bettman does not want to expand the playoff format, but uh, I'm not going to let go till the day it happens. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, why is there so much pushback? Sorry to cut you off there, but, like, well, yeah, like why not get not, more teams There's involved. more revenue. There's there's more exposure. There's more, like, Correct. significance in game. Like, it just seems like everything that the league would want. Well, you may not remember this, but at the Board of Governors in December when the owners met and the team presidents and CEOs, et cetera, and, and some GMs. Um, I, I did kind of a straw poll. I, I, it was only about, I forget how many, I think a dozen or so governors. And I asked them if they were in, in, the, in favor of at least a little play-in, like a, a very quick best of three like baseball does, I think. And it was 12 nothing yes. Um, so it's it's not a... Now, some people are against it. I, I didn't go around the entire room, obviously. But, no, it, it's... You know, right now, Commissioner Bettman's against it. Um, I asked him about it at the Board of Governors, and if if his laser eyes could uh, could provide a quote that were going through my skull, I think I could give you a better answer than what he actually gave me. <laughs> but um, I get it. I mean, he's very protective of the sanctity of the 16-team uh, field that makes the playoffs. My counter-argument is that, at least with the play-in, you're saying it's a chance to get into the 16-team field. You're, you're preserving the history of that 16-team field. You're, but what you're saying is that there's so much parity. We've got 32 teams. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it seems to me that, uh, you know, the, the version of this in both the NBA and, and baseball has been well accepted. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I, I do think it's really time for, for the NHL to look at it in some version or another. Um, and, and I suspect where the... Uh, where this will eventually get to a more serious discussion is when uh, ESPN and TNT weigh in at some point, the new US TV partners. And when they say, why aren't we looking at this? And I suspect that's when finally the conversation might might have some legs. But right now, it's, it's a no-go for Gary Bettman. Well, in terms of games of significance, we'll see the Oilers take on the Bruins tonight, which, which should be a, a great one. Now... Boston has a chance to become the fastest team to 50 wins in NHL history. 
You know, and and you know they're in that kind of category of like the O2 Red Wings and the '96 Red Wings, and of course the Lightning from a few years ago, and you know all these great teams that we've seen before. Is that the chatter around the league that they are in that sort of dominant once in every kind of ten, fifteen years team, or is there some hesitation with the Bruins because they don't have you know a Vesna goaltender who's won a cup before and has proven himself uh, outside of this year? Right, and, and probably because you're younger than me, you didn't mention the team that I think is still the standard, right? The 77 Habs with the eight losses. Um, but that's considered the greatest single-season team ever, I think, um, by a lot of people. But I know that that's a long time ago. Um, 76 or 77, I always mix up those two seasons. But, um, I, listen, I, I, I think I think this should, you know, I, I think we should absolutely applaud what we're seeing here from the Boston Bruins on so many levels. I, I think to answer your question, the hesitation, and this is completely anecdotal for me, but, you know, Tampa won 62 games in 2019 and got smoked in the first round. I'm not, yeah, I don't think did. there's a chance, I don't think there's a chance, a very good chance that happens at all with this Boston team, but it is a league full of parity. And uh, I, I just think that there was a lot of fanfare with that Tampa team as there should be, because it'd been a long time since anyone had done that tying the most wins in NHL history. And they got swept by Columbus. I actually covered that series. And I remember picking up my jaw off the, uh, off the press box table when the uh, Columbus went up three, nothing that night. But I think the point is, and Brad Marchand himself, when he was rolling through Toronto earlier this season, brought this up on his own, you know, because he was dealing with, you know, answering questions about the greatness of their season. And he basically said, hey, we know that doesn't mean a whole lot until we get into the playoffs. That's, you know, anything can happen. And he meant it. It wasn't a cliche because I think one thing we'll know about Brad Marchand, (laughs) he's not about cliches. And, And so... I think they know in that organization that as special as it is what they're doing right now, uh, get through round one and get on a roll, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk. Pierre, do you think there's enough right now with the races or the lack of races to to kind of have the argument for a 70-game season? I mean, with Toronto locked into Tampa, there's kind of the lull getting into the playoffs, or are the races with Calgary and Winnipeg – and Minnesota and the teams trying to get in compelling enough for the last 10 or 15 games of the season to keep it at 82? Well, listen, I'm with you, dog. I wish. I, I just think there's too much hockey for these guys. And uh, It is, man. Know, like it's, it's way it too much. Yeah, uh, but it's about the almighty dollar in HRR, as you know. I mean, if there was a way to have fewer games but still uh, – uh, be able to take care of your TV partners and, and take care of HRR and make sure that no one takes a hit, sure, but there really isn't. Um, so uh, I don't see the day where there's fewer than 82 games. If anything, there are people pushing to go to 84 games mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in exchange for shortening the, the, the preseason. And you know, I'm not in favor of... I'm in favor of shortening the preseason for sure, but I'm not in favor of expanding past 82. Like I said, if, if, you, if you're going to talk about maybe expanding by a couple of games and do the play-in at least, do something exciting. <laughs> I mean, if you expand by three or four days, then do something uh, different than, than just expanding to the regular season. But, um, you know, the GM meetings are coming up next week. That's not typically the kind of thing that would come up there because that's more of a Board of Governors um, item for owners and governors. So I don't think you'll see that discussed next week. But 
you know, I, I, I just think, listen, I'm sure you guys, over the years, I've written a story that I run almost every year where I, I talk about a lot of things I would change. And one of them, uh, you know, which is a, a huge one for me, even though I know it's got a chance of a snowball in July, but I would love for the regular season to start in uh, mid to late September and have the Stanley Cup awarded by May 31st. And I've been pounding that one for years. And uh, I know I've had players reach out to me every time I write it saying, you know, that they're completely in favor of it. But that is something that a lot of uh, Southern U.S. team owners would never vote in favor for. In fact, uh, quite famously, there was a, uh, a governor of a Southern U.S. team uh, several years ago at a Board of Governors meeting that suggested that the NHL season doesn't start until November and that they award the Stanley Cup in late July, early August. That's crazy. What? That's, so, that's uh, well, bonkers. Believe me, that got no traction. But my point is what a lot of us up here would like to see with the season. And I think we're all ready for hockey come September, right? The kids of are course. back in school. And, Drop the puck you know, September 1st. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so. they play eight. You play eight preseason games. A lot of these teams, and the best players only play four. Let's say, and if so you're that. playing. Yeah, and you're playing your AHL guys, your junior guys. It, it feels like GMs have a whiteboard. They know what they want to do already going into the season. If there's someone you really want to give a look at, you can do it in a smaller amount of games and still get a real look. And most of the time. Those players are on entry-level deals, and they're starting the year in the American Hockey League anyways, and then they're getting called up at some point. It, it feels like, like it really gets dragged on. Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. There are no job battles at training camp. In no, the very NHL. Three, three very exhibition games. Three exhibition games, and that's it. Yeah, like, come on, let's be real. Uh, your team is set in the summer. It's all cap-related. It's, it's, I mean, you want to take a look at a kid for nine games, I guess, but come on. Uh, I mean, outside of injuries, forcing unexpected roster decisions, uh, you know, and and the players come in in tip-top shape. I mean, the whole thing is uh, I I would absolutely want to see it truncated. Uh, You know, that's definitely something I would change. And, and you know what, listen, there's lots. I mean, now you got me going on a rant. I mean, (laughs) I've been saying this for years that – um, the fact that free agency is in the first week of July when both the national holidays in, in the U.S. And, and in Canada are, are three days apart is I'm, I'll never forget when Ryan Suter and Zach Parise signed in, in Minnesota, one of the biggest days in Minnesota Wild history. Neither newspaper published that day because it was July 4th. Like, right. why is this not happening 48 hours after the draft ends? Now, it just so happens this year, will because the draft is so late in Nashville. But I'm saying in a normal year, I've advocated this for years, but if the draft is June 23rd, like it is many years, right, around around the third weekend of June, why is it for agency 48 hours later after the agents have just spent the entire weekend with the GMs anyway? The and draft? all the teams are together. They're all together. Yeah. They're they're all in their Let's war go. room before the draft. It, it just makes sense. They can do it all wherever they are or get back to the city, and then guys don't have to spend that awkward time. Do you go home? Do you not go home? Do you go with the team? Like there's, It, it yeah. makes way more sense, Pierre. Yeah, and and you know it's I, I've and I've talked to GMs about it in the past, and and it's like they hadn't really thought of it, but yeah, a lot of GMs were in favor of that. Um, I mean, the idea that you're waiting another ten days for the start of free agency. Oh, right, we're going to wait till then to talk to free agents. Okay, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that they even got rid of the speaking period for the UFAs is 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 kind of funny when you think about it because we know what's going on behind the scenes. So. 
Yeah, uh, you got me on a rant here, guys. I, I didn't know it. this was going to happen. I got lots for you. We're solving uh, hockey's problems. Now, um, Winnipeg needs to solve some problems. Oh, boy. Oh, they lost man. last night. Rick Bonus loved the way that they played, but Marc-Andre Fleury had to say in that one. And Death Row, didn't it seem like not long ago they were like dialed in and it's like watch out for these guys? Yeah, top now spot in the, in the for, West. Now they're fighting for their life. Well, and I, and I bring it up, Pierre, because you know, in your article of the deals that didn't happen, you brought up Pierre-Luc Dubois, and it would have seemed pretty strange if they... they departed from Dubois, given the fact that they are still a contender. If they don't make it, and we, we know what happened last offseason, what is the state of the Winnipeg Jets if they go another year without making the postseason? Yeah, that would that would be pretty tough to take. And, and you know, and just so we're clear, uh, he wasn't even a, a conversation for the deadline. The Jets were not taking calls on him. The reason he's in that article was more about looking ahead to the summer and where he is going to be a decision, right? I mean, he, he indicated through his agent, Piper Sound, last summer that he wasn't ready to commit long-term to the Jets, and he's our fade July 1st. So there's some interesting decisions coming, I think, for Winnipeg. And, and, and honestly, I could say this for a lot of teams, but obviously playoff results of a – I mean, obviously could say this for the Leafs. What happens in the playoffs has a way of having a huge bearing on, on how the offseason will play out. But – in terms of the Jets, if, if they were actually going to completely fall out of it and miss the playoffs, yeah, that, that would be tough. I, I don't see where a change of heart would have happened for Dubois. So I think, you know, unless they're forcing a arbitration one-year award on him, my guess is they, they would have to, you know, trade him this summer. And then, then you got Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. And this has been kind of quieter, especially on the Hellebuck side of things. But those guys have one year left on their deals before their UFA. And, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, every guy's different. It's not like these guys get together and, and make group decisions about the future. But if Dubois is traded this summer, I mean, you know, what does Shifley think of his future in Winnipeg? What does Hellebuck think of his future in Winnipeg? And it may be that they decide to extend. I don't know. But I'm just saying you have to ask the question, right? And so it could be one of those momentous off-seasons in Winnipeg. And so, listen, I hope for them because they're a better fan base in the league. They're unbelievable there. I hope that they rescue this season, get in and and have a run because I think that would at least give uh, a lot of the a lot of people there more to think about heading into the summer. But they've not played great now for quite a while, um, you know. And I think Halibut for a while was really kind of saving that slide, but with his performance. But I think even he's been sort of overrun here of late. Um, so yeah, it's 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 desperation time here for the Jets right now. Pierre. I get asked the question a lot, and it's with the decision-making for, like, the Matthew Kachuk when he went to the Calgary Flames, and obviously William Nylander and Austin Matthews are coming up. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the message would already be relayed, like, to what the intentions are? Like, do you think the Maple Leafs would already know what the intentions of all of that are already, or is that something that it's, like, real-time? I think, I think, O'Dog... Um, that the the playoffs have to play out in the moment, and I think I've said this before uh, on on this show. But in the moment, if you're asking me what I, in particular, again, got to be careful not to lump, you know, Matthews with Nylander, two different players, two different decisions. I think in the moment, if Austin Matthews had to decide now, like let's pretend there was a deadline tomorrow, I think he signs an extension. I think he loves being a Toronto Maple Leaf. 
but again, let's see what finally happens here, right? In the first round, I mean, I, 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 I don't think you can live in the mythical world where where the damage of another first round loss mm-hmm. can't can be ignored, especially when you have a so, deal on an expiring deal. But so you're saying being like equal, a four a four game sweep could like if the decision was coming in two days, and it, you would say right now there would be an extension. Yeah. But if there's a four game sweep, that's something that could alter that decision. Potentially. But maybe yeah. Austin still wakes up and says, you know what, I still believe in this team and, and you know but the reason I the reason I'm saying the playoffs matter, and they do for most teams, by the way, you know, I mean Brad Fielding's on an expiring deal in Calgary, right? Let's see if they get it or not. I mean this this is going on around the league, it's not just Toronto. But what I'm saying is, you know, what if it's a bad first round? And there's a change at the GM position. There's changes elsewhere. How does that not impact what you think if you're Austin Matthews? That, 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 that's why I'm bringing it up. It's not like these, these decisions aren't in a vacuum. They're not isolated. They're all attached to what's the bigger plan. What's, what's the vision of this franchise now? Is a reset coming? Or are we still taking more runs at this? You know, all things being equal, you know, um, you know, this team has had another great year. I think Austin Matthews loves being a Leaf. Um, you know, I think as long as it's not a disaster in the first round, I don't see why MLSC wouldn't want to bring Kyle Lewis back, in my opinion, but I have no intel on that. But I just know that the way that other GMs around the league view Kyle Dubas, they think the Leafs would be crazy not to sign him. Um, so if all those things happen and it's not carnage, then I don't see why Austin Matthews wouldn't resign. But to to try and, and answer that right now, even if we had Austin Matthews on with his agent Gemma over right now, I think they would give you a version of probably what I just did that they're happy and right now their intention is to sign. But let's see what happens. Pierre, we see it a lot in the NBA where teams and management types will make certain decisions, maybe to appease players on their roster in hopes of pleasing them. I'm not saying we see that a lot in the NHL, but. How dangerous of a game is that to get into when you're trying to make personnel decisions just to please certain players instead of having this long-term focus as far as winning and having a sustainably uh, successful franchise? I mean, listen, I, the, the reality of it is that you know there are certain players that, that drive your team that demand that kind of attention. Let's be real. I mean, you know, you don't think that Ken Holland and Edmonton was feeling the heat to go get Mateus Echo? To try and to try and give his team every chance again possible with Connor McDavid and, Le- and Leon Drysaddle and their contract status for the next couple of years, like it's win now in Edmonton um, because of those two players. Come on, let's be real here. Um, and is there a danger in that? I, I, I guess, but it's also realistic. Are, are you not going to try and maximize every chance you have to win a cup while you have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle under contract? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean that's that's just the reality of it, and I think that you know, I mean, the Boston Bruins. We started the whole conversation with them and, and their unbelievable season. Um, the way they've approached their season as all in is a complete byproduct of Patrice Bergeron saying, "Okay, I'm going to come back for at least another year." And David Krejci coming back from the Czech Republic, uh, um, Czechia. If those guys don't come back. I'm not sure this is the same type of year for the Bruins, and not just for the obvious on-ice impact of a guy like Bergeron, who's probably going to win another Selkie Trophy. I, I mean, for perhaps the domino effect of, oh, okay, maybe we need to retool on the fly here if, if 37 is not back. You know what I mean? So 
I, I guess my point is every organization in a way is impacted by those decisions from their top players. Well, we'll let you go on that note, Pierre. Unless the Cowboys acquire DeAndre Hopkins between now and 7 o'clock, then we'll bring you back on and get your instant analysis on that, okay? Oh, baby. I'm excited <laughs> about the Cowboys again. Let's go. <laughs> awesome Dude, stuff. It's like a, so pathetic, It's man. like a like sickness, it's a joke. man. It is. <laughs> oh, I love it. Is that the talk that they're looking change, to get Don. DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> yeah. Is that the talk that they want Hopkins? Come yep. on. Well, yep. they need a wide receiver for sure. They only got one right now. There's that. Stefan Diggs, cryptic texts or, or tweets, I should say, that, Cowboy that Trayvon Diggs retweeted. Man. Jerry Jones could kick you guys in the pills, and you'd still be like, yeah, go Cowboys. I can't wait for the uh, season. Nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, we hey be- all I have to say is the Cowboys put Tom Brady into retirement, and I was there. Okay? That That's is it. true. Pierre, <laughs> let me just uh, you can answer this, and we're going to end this segment with this question, okay? All right. Do you think Dak Prescott is elite? I believe he yes is or no. at the bottom end. Well, I, I'm answering it. I, so the, the the description of elite is I want to know what it is in your eyes. I think he's the bottom end, bottom end of the top tier. So in other words, I have him between eight and ten. Phone, man, <laughs> well, he is, at, and, and that's where most evaluators have him. Eight to I ten know, out but, of thirty-two, for sure, he is. Wow, I, I don't know. There's something about that guy. I wouldn't trust that guy. Would you Would you game. hold a sign, Pierre, that said Dak is elite at a game? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There, there you go. go. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> awesome stuff, Pierre. We We've covered everything that matters to me almost. Today. Yeah. This is great. This is we're, we're good. You're you're good for the week. You know, like just make it a long weekend for you. See you, boys. Okay, awesome stuff. Pierre LeBron joining us on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Build your next dream Toyota at Maple Toyota and check out Maple Toyota's pre-owned inventory arriving daily. It's time to Toyota. Visit mapletoyota.com. Dak Prescott will kick off life or death row. I'm just kidding. No, he won't. But maybe. But maybe. He should be. We'll, <laughs> should we'll be. ask. Is Dak he Prescott is elite. Life or death row. <laughs> Give it the sizzle. Give it the sizzle. <laughs> That is coming up on Overdrive, TSN 1015 on TSN 2.